Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. This is the third week in a row that I've had the privilege and the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Boyd Purcell. And uh, I'm a lifelong student. I know many of you are too. And I feel like with the last two episodes, I got about half of a master's degree done just by listening to Dr. Purcell uh, talk and uh, hearing the things that he shared. And, and hopefully with this today, I'll get my master's and I can put that on my uh, uh, curriculum Vita. <laughs> so welcome back, Dr. Boyd Purcell. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be back. Yeah, thank you. There are lots of different things that I mentioned to you in between episodes that uh, that we could talk about. We're not going to get to all of them, but we will a couple. I, I wanted just to uh, talk about a phrase that, and you said it wasn't necessarily one that you coined, but one that you used, non-religious mystics. Explain that to us, would you? Well, as I understand the term, it would be something I've used in terms of people being spiritual but not religious. And you can have religious people who are not at all spiritual, and you can have some uh, people who are spiritual but not religious. So I've seen a number of people like that, uh, and kind of a number of atheists, I think are quite spiritual, kind, loving, compassionate people, help anyone out, and then some religious people who are very uh, conceited and very bigoted and uh, wouldn't help anyone out. So they certainly don't love their neighbor as themselves. That's so maybe yeah. that'd be my understanding. Yeah, me too. And you know, Christ is in all, as you said before, and given the references. And I think, uh, and we're made in the in the image of God, who is love, and the likeness of God. So anytime we see a a mom or a dad, you know, holding a baby and we just see the love in their eyes or when we see somebody helping an elderly person across the street or somebody paying for somebody else's meal or doing it, that's God. I mean, we're seeing Christ in them we're, and, and they may be atheists or they may never have heard or thought about God, but they're mystics from the standpoint of they're listening to the Holy Spirit inside of them, prompting them to do things and don't even know who they're listening to yet, but we get to tell them. And then we have the case of the Pharisees, started out as a spiritual labor renewal movement, but it degenerated into legalism. And what did Jesus call the Pharisees? Whitewashed tombs. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. You look good on the outside, but you stench on the inside. Yeah. And then he also said to them, the kingdom of God is within you. Boy, that's an amazing statement, isn't it? Yeah. yeah he said to the legalists, always the, the rules keepers. Uh, yeah. Straight out in that, but you swallow a camel. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll be literal, and no one's ever swallowed a camel, but uh, that's a, Jesus yeah. hyperbole. But that's a good that, what, that wasn't literally true? They didn't really swallow. They only swallowed the camel, to my knowledge. But the fundamental still insist about everybody thinks about the Bible is literally true. Oh gosh! <laughs> well, 
Dr. Purcell, you have an article that you'd said that, uh, and you did send it to me and you send it to other people. People can get this from you if they contact you through email. It's called Symbolic Fire in the Holy Bible A through Z. And uh, this is an amazing one-sheet document. And without me giving all the wonderful adjectives to it that I would like to do, that would take the whole time. Tell us how that came about and give us the highlights of that, if you would, in, in the time that we have today. Well, it's a lot more time than we have, but I'll do the best <laughs> I can in the time allowed. But uh, this actually took quite a bit of time. I would say several months, not every day doing it, but uh, working on it gradually, maybe an hour or two a day, and, uh, and rewording and looking up scripture references. And actually, in the King James, there are over 500 references to fire in the Bible. It may be hard to believe, but uh, well over uh, 500 references. So I was wanting to get something. Uh, I, I like acrostics as a teaching tool. You may have gathered that from uh, my book, uh, Spiritual Terrorism. Yeah. Uh, is there, especially the universalism and Christian universal mm-hmm. acrostic. So now Christianity teaches universal salvation, and then all the major non Christian religions also do the same. And then I uh, use the other acrostics, like we talked about the tulip and tulips and also developed a couple uh, for the daisy for Arminians, with the daisy being that, uh, just one of them, that God loves me, loves me not, God loves me, loves me not, God loves me, loves me not. Yeah. <laughs> and you being able to lose your salvation. So I threw that, that in the daisies, which converts uh, Arminianism into universalism. So this is another, I thought, but what using the alphabet to make an acrostic? It would be easy to memorize, to help people. And actually, it would free people's minds from fear if they have something that they can read and then even memorize pretty easily, which I have. So I started thinking about what would A, could A be? So it came to me, what Jesus said, that all, everyone, was well, used everyone, but all, you know, sums up because if you need an A, all in Gehenna slash hell, because James translates Gehenna, the Greek word Gehenna as hell, salted with fire. And we talked about what that means, so maybe we need to touch on it again in this uh, new segment. But that's a mixed metaphor for purification. You cannot literally salt anything or anyone with fire. And the best translation of that, I thought, is in the Good News Bible. It's an English version which says, everyone that is in Gehenna will be purified by fire. That's Mark mm-hmm. 929. So that's one example. Number B is also very instructive. I'll do at least do A, B, and C. B is building Christ church that will destroy Hades hell. And by destroy means to ram down the gates. That's Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades, translates hell by the King James, shall not prevail against it. So that's a statement that the church is going to destroy hell completely by ramming down the gates of hell, like a church picture like a battering ram. And then C is Christ baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then we have the Holy Spirit as fire on Pentecost, uh, Matthew 3, 11, and Acts 2. I seem to remember the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. It was, and he set up on their heads like cloven uh, tongues of fire. Yeah. The interesting thing is not one person suffering first, second, or third degree burns, and the hair of their head was not even singed. Right. The Holy Spirit was fire. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing was really difficult, though, is to say something meaningful, true, first of all. And significant, and do it in only one sentence. Since I have 26 lines here, I'm supposed to do it. And yeah. so uh, I really work at that a lot and reword things. And 
originally that was not the one I, after several uh, revisions for uh, Christ see baptize the Holy Spirit in fire I had that Christian saying fill me with fire have you ever heard that one I'm sure they don't literally mean to fill them with fire but they sing that and yeah. then uh, I had the H and the acrostic was actually the Holy Spirit on, on the fire, as fire in Pentecost so I ended up consolidating those two so I could use the H for something else which is Hades hell translated Hades so mm. And death, not just Hades and death, but, but death itself is mm. going to be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. So mm. we talked about what burning sulfur means. So it means that Hades, hell, and death are going to cease to exist. That's in Revelation chapter 20. Yeah, those are all wonderful. Gosh. And then, gee, <laughs> God is a consuming fire. And just the G is that something that God is a consuming fire? And then the question is, well, what does God consume? Yeah. And well, does he consume sin? Some people believe in annihilation theology, that God isn't going to torture people forever, but he's going to annihilate them as though that's better. Well, it is better. God is a sadistic moral monster who tortures people forever, but he's not much of a helping father who uh, annihilates his children. Right. Assassinates them, as it were, so they cease to exist. But God is in the process, long, sure process, of consuming sin with purified sinners so that no one is tortured forever, or at all, for that matter, but all sin is consumed, people are purified, and all are reconciled to God and loving Him and God. That's good news. And it really is. That's the best good news in all the world. Yeah. And that's the thing that will really transform the world that is so presently torn by religious strife into the world which God envisioned and Christ died for, and we're told in Isaiah that the time will come that righteousness shall rush down like a mighty stream, the knowledge of the Lord will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, Christopher Mill was saying, well, that's the millennium. Uh, it's not going to happen. The world's going to get worse in every way and every day until the Lord comes back, and the Lord's going to bring the millennial kingdom. Well, others believe in the post-millennial, which I do now. I grew up on the pre-millennial. Uh, Christ is going to bring the kingdom. But we're going to have to learn to live in peace with each other here on earth. And when we do that, loving our neighbor as ourselves, that's going to bring the millennium. And the Lord is going to be with us because he said he'll be with each and every one of us, with us always, even to the end of the world. Yeah. After the end of the world. Yeah. The end yeah. Of the world. As, as we know it, though the world won't end, the world's going to be rejuvenated by fire. And uh, it's going to be a much different place than it is now because here, I have in the queue and the cross because the quality of life on earth is transformed by burning up sinful works, chaff. Jesus called it chaff, sinful works. That's 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. So a wonderful message about the transformation of the world. Yeah. Oh, gosh, all of these are good. I, I don't even want to interrupt you. Go ahead with any letters that you want. Well, I thought you go sequentially or just pick out the one that might be most outstanding, but uh, let me say this about with Jay. Let me back up. Uh, we've done God is consuming fire. So do H, I mentioned already, Hades, hell, and death be cast into the lake of burning sulfur. And then the Israelites were enslaved in an iron furnace. God, in a pillar of fire, led to freedom. Yeah. That's in uh, Deuteronomy 420 that the Israelites were in an iron furnace. Mm-hmm. But they weren't literally in a furnace. They no. were slavery in Egypt, in wide open Egypt. But they were said to be in an iron furnace. And I'm in the process right now of writing my third book. 
which is going to be symbolic fire Bible, Holy Bible, A through Z, based on this. No, and, really? Right. And the subtitle is God is fire, Christ baptizes with fire, all of us in the fire. And I also had a logo made based on this several years ago, which will be on the front of the book. Cool. It's a salt, salt shaker with the words on it, salt of fire. The salt shaker is being shaken, and out of the open lid are coming flames of fire. Really? That's and cool. Fire that has in white letters that uh, all purified by fire. To be Mark 949. Wow. So that That's good. Get some people's yeah. attention. Yeah. So uh, we have the story of the Hebrew children. We're in the fiery furnace. This is probably an allegory. They probably weren't really in a fiery furnace. No, <laughs> the Israelites were in the iron furnace in the in slavery in Egypt. Right. But it's a great story about how God delivered them. And in that fiery furnace, besides the three Hebrew children, we see someone else who is Christ. Looks like the Son of Man, Son of God there. That must be a yeah. pre incarnate Lord Jesus Christ there. Yeah. In the fiery furnace. So it's yeah. a symbolism, but we understand uh, that in the allegories of yeah. the Bible. And then uh, J is Jesus sends fire on mm -hmm. earth, burning shaft, sin with unquenchable fire. And that, I've had people tell me, well, that means the fire will never go out. When we skip down to uh, the U in the stick, it says unquenchable fire burns up as all fires do. And we have examples there. I cite uh, 720. 1727, for example, and there's also Ezekiel 20 and Mark 9. But uh, in Jeremiah, uh, it says, As a judgment from God, that the palace of Jerusalem will be set on fire, and they'll burn to the ground because the fire will be unquenchable. So, Paul, does that mean those uh, palaces of Jerusalem are still burning today? Unquenchable, I, never I, go out? I think however I answered that, I'm, I'm going to fail that test because I, I can't get it right. <laughs> right. So the Lysor Nation Committee who condemned me as a heretic told me that the Bible says, Jesus said, the fire will be unquenchable. So it means it'll never go out. But another one in Ezekiel says that the forced fire, the judgment of God will be forced to be set on fire and burn completely from south to north because the fire will be unquenchable. So I said, the ordination Committee, Please tell me, is that fire still burning today? And they wouldn't answer the question. They closed their Bibles. I asked them to look it up. And their Bibles opened. They looked at it. They looked stunned. And they closed their Bible and says, we have no more time for this. Now let us get on with the Harris Patrol. Really? And really. Oh. So unquestionable fire burns out. It's all fire still. You know, I will interrupt just for a second. My friend Peter Hyatt in uh, Denver went through the same thing when he got defrocked by the church. He has a very similar story with the the uh, board that he had to go for. Yeah. I know Peter, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a long ranger of any means. I'm going through that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, interesting here with the V, verily, seven flames of fire burning before the throne of God are the seven spirits of God. Isn't that interesting? of the seven spirits of God. So the menorah, as you may know, is a candlestick with seven prongs mm -hmm. to it. And uh, they have a candle on top, or else they have a lamp that burns uh, with mm -hmm. olive oil or whatever. And uh, that symbolizes the seven spirits of God. And I'm going to compare that in my book with the seven spirits of God and the seven deadly sins and how God deals with that by 
burning up, he's going to incinerate the seven deadly sins because of the flames of fire manifesting his glory of consuming sin, purifying sinners. That's cool. Wow. Really some exciting stuff there. And here are X. Yeah, I couldn't really think of an X uh, that would have a reference in the Bible. So it occurred to me in Greek that the X is actually Chi, which is the first two letters of Christ. And Christ's name, uh, Christ's eyes are as a flame of fire, according to Revelation 1.14. And as we look at Christ as well, I've already mentioned he was in the fiery furnace. The Son of God was there, Son of Man. And Christ also, his uh, feet and his uh, legs, and he looks like a burnished bronze because he's been in the fire as well as his eyes. So we have all that symbolism of Christ that is, uh, sent, has sent fire on earth, and he baptizes with fire, and then the fire is going to do the job of consuming sin, purifying sinners. Boy. Finally, near the end here, uh, why is yes, believers are saved, behavior refined, through fire at the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, I have the Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. But earlier in this, I have that uh, the verses uh, 10 through 14, in which will be the judgment seat of Christ, in which the sinful works are going to be burned up. The good works you've done will survive the fire and will receive a reward. But of those, if we have just bad works, they're going to be consumed. But then we say, well, what about the person? Are, the person going to lose his salvation or her salvation? And Paul answered that question definitively in verse 15, when he said, no, that the, the person will be saved through the fire. Now, people yeah. say, what well, do you mean we're saved by fire, not by grace? No, we're saved by <laughs> grace through the fire. Yeah. That's the um, refining process. It's uh, We're are yeah. saved by grace, but our works are refined by fire. It's like Paul said in uh, Galatians 6. Six seven that uh, we don't be deceived. God is not mocked. God is no fool. We reap what we sow. Yeah, we get saved by grace, but you don't want to live like the devil because you're going to reap what you sow. And he explains how that works out in First uh, Corinthians three ten through fifteen. Also Second mm-hmm. Corinthians five verse uh, ten. He said that we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to get an account of everything we've done in this body, whether good or bad. Uh, so it's very clear and exciting how that works out. And finally, here, with the, the Z, I initially had in here, was Zechariah prophesied that the Lord will be a protective wall of fire around Jerusalem, which is true. But I thought I could have a more powerful statement here by making the, the Z a zero, which would be the number of people who will be tormented and held forever. Why will it be zero? Because God shall be all in all. Everything yeah. to everyone, First Corinthians 15, 28. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What I think of the whole fire concept is a good thing. And I, I think of the uh, the verse in Isaiah, woe to you who call good evil and evil good. Now, that doesn't mean that people are going to be burned forever for calling uh, good evil and evil good, but they're going to experience the woe of it. And that's exactly what's happened here. Fire is a good thing, but we've called it a bad thing. And those who believe that, uh, who have been spiritually abused and been filled with terror by that whole concept of being being taught that something that's really good, of being taught that it's bad. And I, gosh, I so appreciate you 
taking the time and the effort to flesh that out for us in such a wonderful way. I'm glad you're writing another book about this. I, I can't wait to get it. Thank you. So if you have just a minute or so. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. going to say as far as the K, know that God was in the burning bush, speaking to Moses, making the ground holy. And uh, that's really exciting. That's in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And then the next one, L, love and fire, which God is consumes tormenting fear and purifies all in perfect love. That's first John four. Yeah. Eight through eighteen. And then the next one, the M is Messiah slash Christ. Refining fire. And there it specifically says refining fire will purify as gold and silver the Jewish people. Malachi three, one through three. And then lastly the N is note burning sulfur denotes symbolic disinfects of yield from sin Revelation twenty. 10 to 15. So it's so exciting. It all fits together. I love my hand. Well, it, it does all fit together. And, and I love the L that you have. And, and uh, one of the things that the Lord has really, over the last period of my life, has just been showing me over and over again and in greater depth, God is love. It's not, as Malcolm Smith says, it's not, if I have love, I can someday not have it. But if I am love, uh, then that's a whole uh, different story. I'm not quoting him very well there, but uh, you mentioned First uh, uh, John 4, 8 and 18, and the fact that pure love <laughs> casts out all fear. We should never have any fear at all of God. We should, but here's the thing, Paul. Something will say, oh my goodness, well, the Bible says many times, fear God, fear God, fear God. Something said, when you fear God enough, you'll love God. Well, the word fear in the Bible means a reverential awe, a reverential fear, meaning uh, based on a sense of awe about God. It doesn't mean a morbid kind of fear, but to have a reverential awe for God. It does. I had the privilege of spending some time with a Jewish rabbi, Rabbi uh, Lapkin, who's a, he's a rabbi, but he, he teaches uh, business principles from the Old Testament. And uh, I was at a business seminar that he was at, and he made himself very available to people. And, uh, you know, he really knows the Old Testament. So I, I asked him, could you explain this, the fear of God? And he said, we, we don't translate it that way. That's not what it means. It means reverential awe. He said, I don't know why you Christians <laughs> got that wrong. <laughs> King James. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, gosh. Here's the one as far as beautiful pictures symbolism they are is river slice stream of fire flows from God's fiery throne and fiery presence of God, Daniel chapter 9. So uh, how beautiful that is. We have chapter 7, verses 9 through 10 of Daniel, that we have a stream, a river of fire flowing from the presence of God and the throne of God. And that's as wide as the universe. Yeah. God is omnipresent. So wherever God is, the fire is. What a beautiful uh, picture. Yeah, it really is. Which uh, again, here with the T or the BS for Sheol, hell. God is even in hell because God is omnipresent, spirit, light, love, and fire in the universe. So beautiful. It is beautiful, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to share that. And I, I know. I would guess your new book's going to have at least 26 chapters, <laughs> and, and uh, what a help that will be to so many people. Uh, Dr. Purcell, I hope sometime I can come to uh, West Virginia and spend some time with you in person, because this time online has just been delightful. 
Oh, great. Be nice to come to Kansas, spend some time with you. Yeah, that would be that would be wonderful too. I, sometimes uh, through the internet, people, you know, I'll talk to people who live on the coast or live in the mountains or whatever, and they'll ask me about Kansas, and and I'll say, well, we have one pond and a small hill, uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of great people here. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Boyd, for being with us these three times, for sharing uh, your heart with us, the things that you've researched. And before we finish this last time, tell people again where they can get their books, how they can connect with you, and uh, you can send them some other resources. Well, you can get uh, my books on Amazon or other online sellers, and uh, you can contact me at uh, Dr. Boyd Purcell. That's Boyd B-O-Y-D, Purcell, P-U-R. C-E-L-L at gmail.com. I'll be glad to interact with you, answer questions you may have, send you some of these documents I developed, and I'll even send a PDF of my book, Christianity by Insanity, to you. And what a great book it is. And I, uh, uh, I'll have to confess sometimes, not very often, but sometimes when I interview people, I haven't read their book, but I've, I've read snippets of it and, and stuff like this. Most of the time, I, I've read the books uh, pretty thoroughly of people that I interview. And in this case, <laughs> I've read it very uh, thoroughly, and it had had a huge impact on me, uh, not only a few years ago, but still does. So, yes, By the way, you hold the book up again, might point out something. Notice the front of the book. That's the sunset. The question I ask in the book and the introduction is, is the sun a sunrise or sunset? Actually, I say illustratively, it is both. It is yes. sunset on the insanely foolish doctrine of eternal torment and hell. It's a sunrise on the voice through the Christian verses. Beautiful. Beautiful. It is indeed. Well, boy, thank you again so much for being with us. Thank you to all our listeners for being with us for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.